Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, in this episode of Fruit Snacks, we're going to dive into a new doctrine of the week, and this time we're looking at baptism this week. So we're going to start off in this episode and cover some basic ground, ask a few questions, look at some scriptures, and then in the episodes that follow, we're going to take a a little more detailed look at certain things that baptism does not do for Christians, as well as things that it does do for Christians to sort of round out this entire doctrine. So first of all, what is baptism? What does it represent? Well, on the one hand, we have just the physical act of baptism, which is uh, usually in in at least many denominations, a immersion into some sort of river, stream, pool, tub, something like that. But there are other denominations that also practice baptism by sprinkling. More on that in just a a few minutes. But in general, regardless of the mode of baptism, it is in the New Testament a symbol or a picture of our identification with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And it's, it's an identification because it symbolically portrays our own death to sin and to the old man the burial of our former way of life, and then our resurrection to new life in Christ as his follower. And we see this illustrated in several verses. One is found in Romans chapter 6 when we look at what Paul writes to the Romans in verse 4. He says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And then over in Colossians chapter 3, Paul has more to say, and I'll start in verse 1. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So the question of if we've been raised with Christ, well, in what sense have we been raised? Well, spiritually, we've been raised to new life. But symbolically, outwardly, when or what would people have to look at as a evidence to point of to to point to that they were raised? What would have been their baptism? And Paul continues the the metaphor here in verses nine and ten of chapter three. He says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so Baptism is a symbol, an outward symbol of an inward reality. And so because of that, we should ask the question, who should be baptized? And when we look at the New Testament, the model is always for believers to be baptized after their confession of Jesus as their Lord and Savior, not preceding their conversion or in hopes of a future conversion. And so I realize I'm going to step on some toes here potentially, but what you see if we're looking to the New Testament and the early church as we see it portrayed in the book of Acts is that believers, after they confess 
and choose to repent and follow Jesus, that is the point at which they are baptized. It never precedes repentance and conversion, and it is never ever done with small children. So if that's who should be baptized from a biblical perspective, then how should we be baptized? And once again, if we're going to look at the New Testament, at the early church in Acts as our example, and even the epistles in Paul's missionary journeys for some references here, what we see is that because of the symbolism that is involved with baptism, meaning the symbolism of death, burial, and resurrection, and because the the literal meaning of the word baptizo, the Greek word, and in historical accounts of church fathers and historians like Josephus, immersion, which is basically dunking, is the primary or preferred mode of baptism, fully immersing someone in water and then taking them back out. So while sprinkling has been used and is used and in some of the early church fathers' writings is a sort of um, a backup plan, and barring that, uh, pouring uh, jugs of water three times in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit over someone's head is sort of a, a plan C. The primary and the preferred method of baptism was always immersion, preferably in so-called living water, meaning running or moving water like a river or a stream. And uh, we see that in even how John baptized. John the, the Baptist, he baptized in a river via immersion. That is how Jesus was baptized. And so for many Christians, that is the therefore the same mode and method that Christians have utilized throughout the history of the church. So in future episodes this week, we're going to look at what baptism does not do for believers, because there's quite some confusion out there about exactly how this, how baptism ties in with repentance and salvation and all these other things. And there are some verses that need to be looked at carefully because uh, they can be misconstrued. And then we're also going to look at what baptism does do for believers exactly. And so all that and more coming up this week. Thanks for listening to Fruit Snacks. We'll catch you next time. 